Without further ado, Shane, you can take us through what's happening. Bankwest Stadium tomorrow, Warringah versus Sydney University. It's the same matchup that played 12 months ago in the Shoot Shield decider. And uh, Sydney University start favourites to come up with the same results. Yeah, if you look at it from last year, yeah, you would believe that's the case. But as I said, we were hoping to try and have Mark Gerard on tonight and give his point of view. Obviously, the first being his first year as first grade coach after retiring after last year's grand final loss. But we go the club goes in with a fairly settled lineup. Mm. We've got Boyd Killingworth coming back from injury. Rue McKenzie's had a flu late last week, but he's pulled up fine. The one one thing that's gonna give the boys a little bit more motivation, Hamish Angus this morning at our grand final breakfast announced that once we play full time tomorrow night in the grand final, he is done playing in the shoot shield as mm-hmm. a first grade player. He will then move into a player development role at the club and then move into also an assistant coaching role with Mark in that shoot shield side. Well, he's been year. a great player. He's won three Ken Catchpole medals in the last 10 years. He's arguably been one of the best players to have played shoot shield. Probably should have played more super rugby than he, he did. Probably should have gone a bit further up mm. the ladder than he did. But he can leave the game as a player, proud of his record, uh, those three can catch pole medals, a premiership in 2017. It'll be nice for him to go out with the double. It's been a long time since anyone has done the double, win a premiership and a can catch pole mm, it has in been. the same season. And also, if you look at his grade stats, he's played 164 grade games. The game against Eastwood last week was game 149 in first grade. Mm. So 150 so first grade games. So, Which is a fair effort in Shoot Shield given the way that competition and the flotsam and jetsam and the availability of players goes up and down in, uh, in, in recent years in the Super Rugby uh, setup. Well, we look at it for the Warringah side. We've only got one New South Wales contracted player currently, and that's Rory O'Connor. But next year we've also got Luke Reimer, who's been picked up by the ACT Brumbies, and you've also... Sorry, let me just make sure I get my names right. There's also, I believe you got, there's another one, I can't get my name at the moment, but there's two of, two of our first graders have been picked up to Brumby's Super Rugby contracts and Boyd Killingworth has picked up an NRC contract with the, the Canberra Vikings as well. But with Sydney University, a little bit of a downer for them. They're six in. Yeah. Nick Champion, Jessica Pini, was sidelined through suspension for three weeks for an illegal clean-out on Will Miller last Sorry. week, got a got a red card for it. So, and bit, un, bit been unfortunate. One of their best forwards as well. So that that'll be a big big loss. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We feel guys. Looks like we've come got, on. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm just looking. I, I guess the results from this season, the regular one between Sydney Uni and Moringah. They've been one huge loss for you guys and one really tight win, obviously. How does that, I guess, impact on the team's approach and, I guess, taking that into the, the grand final? Well, there's one man that can answer that question perfectly. Perfectly. One man that can answer that question perfectly. He's just joined us on the phone. He is a busy man. Um, he does carry a full-time job. He's a family man as well. He is uh, the Warringah first-grade coach. The winner of the Dave Brockhoff medal in his first season as a first-grade coach. He was a damn fine player as a Brumby and a Wallaby in his own right, and he's become a damn fine coach. He is the Warringah coach, Mark Gerrard, 
and he has joined us on the bench. Good evening to you, Mark, and welcome aboard. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Apologise for being a bit late. The kids actually took up a little bit longer than I thought. <laughs> As they do. <laughs> no, that's, that's well, all, all good, Mark. Let's answer that question straight off the bat <laughs> that Alex Bellamy has uh, thrown out there. You've played them twice this year. One heavy defeat, one tight win. Does that really mean much going into this big game tomorrow? It's probably the same as does last year's grand final mean anything going into tomorrow? Yeah, I personally don't don't think so. Um, obviously, leading into the competition, having played uni uh, third round, we looked at it very differently, and you know, and again, can't assume everything, but then obviously, I assume that we would be up for it, knowing that the week prior when we played Eastern Suburbs, we played really well. We convincingly beat them. I just assume that you know we'd be up for the challenge. Unfortunately, 50-0, that was the end result. Pretty much from that 50-0 mark that night, Easter weekend, it was a Friday game, and um, except for the Friday, it actually took all weekend to really come to terms with, like, are we so far away? Mm. And personally, I, I don't think we were. Mm. Just had to change a few things training-wise. Not so much the skill, but more the mental application in the mental approach in playing rugby. I, I'm a huge believer in that because at the end of the day, you have to wake up out of your bed, make your bed in the morning, go to work. Mm. You have to do the same thing playing rugby. So then it was just that challenge that was uh, that was a bit of a challenge, as I say, at that time. But um, I'm glad that I didn't change much, just altered a couple of things just in and around the approach of training and how we do it collectively as a group. And you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the group that I actually inherited and and from there just grown and, and put my own twists and spins on, on what I believe playing and training should be like. Well, I was coming to that. It's your first season as a first-grade coach. Um, not many have made a grand final first up or won a premiership, a shoot shield first up. You've come with the decorated uh, playing career, which was a, a, a great help and that automatic respect. But what changes did you have to make, particularly after that shaky start, um, to your routine, to your makeup, and to your outlook? Yeah, it was probably the, the approach. Um, you know, and again, going into the preseason, I kind of went into the preseason with a clear idea, with a clear objective at the end of the season, was obviously to be where we are right now. My goal was to get 107 sessions out, were to make this end, end, end opportunity for the players to play in this grand final. How was I to get there? Then again, tell a different story. If we lost to Sydney Uni, then we lose the following week week to uh, to Gordon. I'm one from four. So where would that put me in mindset and obviously in the context of the season? I know we went on a really good stretch during the middle part of the, the year. And for me personally, was, I could not look at those victories week in, week out and go, well, we won, it's great, let's move on. It was actually about we have to back that up the following week. Now, how do we do that? I had to review it not so much as a loss, but as a more of a, a learn me and so for me as coach on the other side of the fence this time was how do I challenge this group to continually turn up at week in week out and and again I'm a huge believer in it's just creating a positive environment that's conducive to learning and wanting to learn and wanting to be there week in week out because as you these guys are amateurs we're a semi-professional environment I have to create an environment that's positive for these guys wanting to be a part of it so for me it was a bit of ownership on them and that's something that I put on the players quite heavily during the course of the year and that's just sort of where we're at at the moment. What I'm really proud of is that you know, there are times where we've had so many changes. We've had 47 players play first grade this year and in those changes we've had to go through a, a vigorous sort of task of who would suit our style. Well, it's not about who would suit our style. We had a group of men that we know that, that have trained and played with us. It was just about them fitting in to what worked for us as a collective group. So 
that part of it I'm extremely proud of where I've got the boys to then. Now it's just actually doing a job to make uh, a very, very good Sydney Uniside. You probably would have been proud about the way your guys recovered from having all those wins, including that big win over Sydney Uni in one, probably one of the games of the year, probably the best game in the regular home and away season, that one-point win where there was only a penalty goal kicked in the entire second half. Uh, but then you lost the last round, you lost the the top two position, and you had to do it the harder way coming from third place. You would have been proud about the way your guys knuckled down and won those two games the way you did to make this grand final tomorrow. Exactly right. And that's the part of it which, and again, it creates a challenge, like that mental sort of application and detail in that, into wanting to be there and, and, and wanting to turn up. So having to lost that game with South, I was extremely disappointed. Um, as much as I'd like to say it, I can't say what I said at half time and end of the game. Yeah, but in saying that, was just that we had an opportunity to, to do what we set out to do. Unfortunately, that didn't come to fruition. And again, it was about applying what we needed to do on Monday and so forth, leading into the last two rounds, or so last two semi-finals, and, and last weekend up against Eastwood. So that part of it, and again, presents a whole new challenge. Semi-final football, and as they say, it is a whole new competition once you reach finals footy. That part of it. It's very hard to explain, but that part of it is a do-or-die situation. Now, that that moment, you actually have to make the boys as positive and as comfortable and as confident as you can leading into that game. That's the way that my approach has been the last two weeks. I'm not going to make them any fitter or faster or, or more skillful at the moment. It's just about having belief in what we do and doing it together and just doing it better than you need to. That- that's something that I'm proud of and I can hang my hat on, but I just want to make sure that we, we turn up tomorrow and actually be, be in the fight and be in the challenge to create those opportunities for us. You've probably half answered the question already, but the greatest challenge in the last three to five years, as you probably know, in this competition has been trying to beat a Sydney University side that have all the resources at their disposal that they can call on and all the players that they can call on to come back from higher levels. It's no different tomorrow. Uh, they go in as defending premiers. They polarise people. Some love them, of course, pretty much predominantly inside their student union. They're hated elsewhere, but they are widely admired and respected. But the challenge is there to knock them over to win your second shoot shield in three seasons tomorrow. How have you gone about that mental challenge with the players this week? Is it breaking down their weaknesses? Is it targeting individual players? How have you gone about it? You definitely obviously recognise opportunities against the uni. They're not invincible. They're beatable. Now, how do we do that? Obviously, is doing it within a system that we've been working on all year, but just doing things slightly different to our approach and playing them, which hopefully catches them off the hop tomorrow. So you just recognise these smaller things. It's not about changing big, big picture stuff for me. It was just about creating opportunities within our game style and game play that, well, we've been doing this all year, but let's focus more on, on this part of our game a little more tomorrow because it works in for opportunities for us. They're the things you just got to recognise. You know, I'm glad if we don't have the Sydney Unis of the world in these types of competition worldwide, the competition wouldn't be what it is. So for us to be better, we obviously want to compete against the best. You know what? As they say in Australia, we're the underdogs. I'm happy to take that. They've got everything at their fingertips, which is great. Puts a big smile on my face and gets me quite excited at the moment when I'm actually playing now. But that's something that I have to relate to the guys and I have to translate that so then I get them up and then they're ready to go. So we're prepared as well as we can this week. Um, and as I said, it's it's, gonna be, it's, it's not going to be an easy game, but 
it's an opportunity for them. You know, we don't get to play in the grand final, let alone three grand finals in a row. So it's an opportunity for us tomorrow. We just got to do what we do better than them. Hamish Angus, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on him. It's his, we understand, last game as a player tomorrow. He won his third cat, Ken Catchpole medal in the last eight years uh, at Ken Catchpole Awards Night. Um, he's been such a rock for this club. He was a rock during that 2017 season through tragedy to an emotion-filled premiership, but a lot of it could be for him tomorrow. Um, he should have perhaps played a higher level of rugby than what he did, but he's been a great campaigner for the Rats. Yeah, exactly, and it's, very, it's hard to, to do that in justice just by a few words. So you're probably right that he should have played higher, but personally he actually chose not to do that. His, obviously, life outside of rugby with work and family and his wife, Lizzie, and things, that was at his forefront. And actually, he took that road, not professionalism and uh, not the professional route. So that part of it, you've got to tip your hat off to the man himself because that's how person he is. At the same time in that, he, he has did this club in the right direction and he has put his best foot forward on and off the field. And to have somebody like that at your club, for me personally as a coach and for me personally as a mate, it's just going to hold our strengths with our juniors coming through for, for, for that leadership that he holds. And he can mentor a lot of these younger guys coming through, which makes my job a whole lot easier because if you can imagine, the new generation is vastly different than we were growing up as kids. So that part of it, I, I, I'm really grateful to have people like that around at the club. You need more of them. And you, personally, you need more of the old players coming back to help you nurture some of these younger guys coming through and actually being more appreciative to where they are and what it means to play first grade for your club. So to have Hamish part of our group, and you know the guys played ten years, over ten years for the club, and he has done more than anybody for us. And something that for me, I was really proud today when we had our, our little presentation, first grade breakfast, was Sam Ward coming in and, and Josh Holmes, and explaining how much Hamish meant to, to them. Not so much on the rugby side, but just as that friendship outside of rugby, and that's the beautiful thing about sport. And you know, my hats go off to Hamish and the way he's conducted himself throughout this year. My biggest challenge as a coach was. How do I create and how do I create an atmosphere for, for a guy like Hamish Spinner, well, turning 30, how do I create for him wanting to come to training every single Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and wanting to perform at his absolute best? Well, it was actually to give him a bit of ownership in it and actually let him and help me and so we can come a combined force to work in to, to challenge the group to want more and more and be better and better every week. That part of it I was really enjoyed. I really enjoyed his company and a bit of his in, insight in what his thoughts were because obviously doing it from the other side now, it's just it's really good to get a player input and get that balance. And that's the, that's the part that I feel that we got right this year. We just want to make sure that we can have an, a, a, one more 80-minute game, just have one more. And he, he won't like me saying this, but I can guarantee the boys would want to do it for Hamish because he would want to put the team first. And you know, I think it's a good thing that we actually put, put the man himself, Hamish Angus, first tomorrow. All good clubs need a Hamish Angus or three in the uh, in, in the club, in the team, and you've done the right thing by keeping him on board as a development officer, as a right-hand man post-retirement, no doubt about that. Yeah, that's right. You hit on the head. You've got to have players like this, whether they're good or bad or ugly, whatever it is. It just, just creates the culture and it creates the camaraderie off-field as well, and that part helps your culture and it helps the growth of the club. So... I, I, I can't I can't thank Hamish enough and I obviously can't put it in words for how much he's going to mean to not just me but the club in general and how we're going to develop as a group and all these younger guys coming through. So that part is really exciting. But 
on the forefront of our mind is, is obviously doing a job to Marsh and Hamish knows that. And one thing I know that he won't do is um, he won't die wondering, which is a good thing for me to have tomorrow. Hey, Marky, it's Shane, mate. How are you? Shane, how you going? I'm good. Tell 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 all our listeners about Harley Atwater, who's been very comfortable sitting in that ten jersey to cover for Hamish whilst he's been out for the last couple of weeks. Do you see him being our our next ten once Hamish retires up to tomorrow's grand final? Um, I don't see anybody having a ten. I don't see you know permanent position fixed for certain people. Every year presents a different challenge. Harley, what he's done for us this year, has been that length. He's actually been plugging so much certain holes for us he's mm. been far better than the person than I, I anticipated all year I knew his capabilities and his strength as a rugby player the other side of it and again with the fact that sort of his mental challenge and playing 10, 13 fullback on the wing these aren't positions that you can just roll off your phone and naturally play you have to be you have to be a student of the game and understand that the whole concept of playing rugby so for me Harley Definitely, definitely in a position to, to secure that jersey leading in the next season. But, you know, six to nine months is, is going to change a few things going into next year. What Harley's done this year has created a huge opportunity for himself in creating that, that position for his own. But in saying that, there's no guarantees in anything. But what I'm really being impressed with is, is Harley's application and wanting to want more and wanting to develop and be better as a player. That part of it is very, very hard to come by as a coach and to have some kids, not just like Harley, like a lot of our team that want more out of it, that part of it is really grateful and, and really enjoyable as a coach to, to help nurture and teach them the understanding of the game itself. How about tomorrow? You go, as a, as, a, as a classic outside back in your day, it's probably a hard thing to say, but these big games are always one up front. Whoever can get the advantage at the breakdown, whoever can hold their own at scrum time, and whoever can win enough clean ball at line-out time is going to go a long way towards winning this match. Obviously, your forwards are going to have to stand up to this almost all-star uni pack to get that 50-50 share of possession you need for your backs to do their thing and score the points you need to win this grand final. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, as you said it there, the best thing about this year is everybody, and again, play the underdog card. Everybody's underestimated how we've gone. It's underestimated our forwards. They looked at our injury toll. And there's always element of doubt. There was element of doubt with them. So, for me, it wasn't about the, the doubt of it. It was just actually creating belief in the understanding. The forwards, to me, this year, have been far more superior than what they have been the last few years. To have these particular players... And at, you're not talking like your Sam Walls or your Sam Thompson. You've got some younger guys. Luke Rymers is 19 years old. Your Rue McKenzie is just coming back from last year. He's come off quite a long injury sort of in the last few years and having a full season and coming off the bench in Maxi Girdler. These guys are creating atmosphere and creating the growth of the, the depth within our forwards. But the thing is, it's a challenge. Every week, I have got a really, really good forward pack to pick from. And the challenge is actually getting them compete against one another and want more and more. And that part of it's been really enjoyable to see that challenge in itself. As you said, I I believe our forwards will go really well against uni. Just one of those games. I'm really excited to see the matchup because from where we were last year as a forward pack to where we are this year and even the beginning of the year to now, very, very different team. But that part of it's really exciting to, to see how it plays out tomorrow. But then again, mate, a lot could happen within 24 hours. I just hope our guys really enjoy the, the moment because I personally believe that rugby is all about opportunity, life's about moments. We've just got to take those opportunities when they present themselves tomorrow 
And you know what? I do hope our forwards give it to him. <laughs> uh, as well said, like a coach, backing his forwards to the hilt. One last thing. There's been a bit of rumblings in some quarters about the venue. Bankwest Stadium, Parramatta. It's away from the... The, the heartland of the supporter bases of the grand final clubs. Who's going to travel? Warringah supporters generally don't know their way over the spit bridge. Once they get there, they get lost. They're not going to get their way to Parramatta. The students aren't going to find their way out there either. Whereas if they stuck to North Sydney Oval, you know you would have got a full house, locked the gates, 20,000 in. Uh, no questions asked. Great stadium, great facility, we know that. But if there's only five to 7,000, it might look like there's a crowd lost in there tomorrow. Do you worry about that or do you just worry? Fellas, there's a pair of posts at either end. There's 120 metres of paddock. It's the same paddock both sides are playing on. Just get out there and get into it. Hey, the best thing for us is, you know, obviously navigation skills for an all beaches crew doesn't so make sense if we go south. Luckily we're going west out to Parramatta. That makes more sense to us. So, mate, for me, I look at it this way. We've always travelled. Bringer fans, supporters, we've always travelled. We'll make that effort purely because we support our club. I remember a few years ago coming back from Japan. My wife and kids, we went down to the Shire to go watch the boys run around. I think it was like round 12. We went down there because we wanted to watch the Raps play and we had some friends down there. It was perfect. Great atmosphere. To be honest with you, we're, we're one of the few clubs that travel to go support our club. Um, mate, you'd be lucky to see 15 people there from uni supporters, so... To me, I, I want to make That's sure... That's the challenge thrown down to them tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I say that because my brother-in-law plays for uni. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, for me, you know what? Like The competition's healthy. The grassroots of the game is, is only going to get stronger. The best thing about this is, I believe, it's that we're at a neutral venue. We're not at North, North Sydney or anything else. I'm excited because we've got a world-class venue that we get to showcase our abilities as a group. And that's something that I'm, I'm pretty proud of and pretty chuffed of. Personally, I don't think it's the greatest decision to, to take this, what I believe is the grassroots game, an amateur rugby union game, commercialised rugby league venue. I personally don't believe that's the right, right way to do it. But it's a decision that was, that was made. don't know whether it was made for the right reasons, but in the way it was made, what the best thing about it is it, it, gets us, it gives us the opportunity to showcase our skills, what we've been doing all year on the world stage at a world-class venue. And that's something that I reiterate to our group. Don't think about the travel, think about the opportunity of playing at this particular venue for the first time against a really red-hot Sydney Uni team. Let's just go out there and really enjoy the moment because you're not going to get opportunities like this in life. If you can do this, especially at an amateur grassroots level, you're going to look back in life and just really enjoy moments like this and opportunity. No texts to the brother-in-law during the week about, um, you know... Any shouting of, uh, of, yeah. of, of, of wine, meals, whatever, depending on the result, or just uh, all bets off and we talk after the GF? Oh, it's funny. He texted me today wishing me good luck, and, uh, and again, I can't tell you what I text back to him. <laughs> 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 well said, Mark. Well said. <laughs> all said and all in the great spirit. Look, we could wax on for another couple of hours about this, but you've got a grand final. You're first to prepare for as a coach. So are the players. So are the uni boys. It should be a great occasion tomorrow, even if only 5,000 turn up to Bankwest Stadium, Parramatta, when it could have been 20 at Bear Park. 4,500 in green and white. Now, now, settle down. So, <laughs> look, it should be a great occasion. Um, if it's going to be as good as that match that was played at Rat Park during the season that went down to one point, it would be a fitting grand final. Let's hope for that. 
it's been a pleasure having on on board. Let's hope it's not the last time uh, as we go through the next few seasons and you establish yourself as a uh, elite coach in this game. Good luck tomorrow. It should be a great occasion. And may the best team win. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for this opportunity to have a little chat about tomorrow. Just one thing for me. I think it's just an, it's an unbelievable competition and more senior players, ex-Wallabies like myself, if not so, just supporters in general can just actually support your grassroots club, back them behind regardless of the results. That's what creates your culture and creates the atmosphere in this competition. So the more that people can get out and support their, their clubs, whether it's rugby union, league union, doesn't matter, have to go and support your grassroots of your local sport. It only creates the ambience around your community. So that's something that we pride ourselves on. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, I just really hope we, we take that opportunity to mind the other beer braces and, and have a good night after. <laughs> Indeed. Mark Gerard, well done. A great effort. The Dave Brockhoff uh, medalist as the coach of the year in Sydney Rugby Union. He'll be uh, leading his Warringah Green Rats into battle for, with the clipboard tomorrow on Grand Final Day. Thanks for your time and good luck. Thanks very much. There's plenty to talk about in the world of cricket. Jofra Archer, the one-man wrecking ball. Has he single-handedly changed the ashes in the space of eight days? They say a week is a long time in politics. It's a, even longer in cricket. The Northern District's captain, a man who could have played against Jofra Archer if things went another way. Nathan Smith is on the line to talk that. And Northern District Rangers cricket because the draw for the Belvedere Cup came out during the week. Nathan, good evening to you. G'day guys, good to be here. Well, your thoughts on the events of the last seven days. Uh, Stephen Smith sconed twice. Uh, Archer taking six for 45 last night. Australia's collapsed without Steve Smith. And they're on the back foot after day one at Leeds after scraping out of Lords with a draw. Yeah, it's been a, a bit of a turnaround since the first test, that's for sure. Um, I mean, Joffre Archer, you sold incredibly... Um, Getting Steve Smith, uh, or beating Steve Smith is no easy task. So, um, and ruling him out of this test has been a massive blow for the Aussies. Um, and then I don't know if anyone saw that spell last night, but him and Ball were just absolutely incredible. Well, they were just about making the ball talk, swinging around corners, swinging around hoops all over the place, weren't they, Matt? Well, and the big call was that. Joffre looked down on pace. He was bowling 82 mile an hour. He wasn't down on pace, but he wasn't the same bowler that he was at Lords, but he didn't have to be. We saw on this Headingley pitch that it was doing, it was talking a lot more than it did at Lords, and they just put it in the right areas, and the Australians, they just couldn't handle it, Nathan. Yeah, it was, it was seriously impressive. I mean, you don't need to be lightning fast when you can move the ball like that, so... That's going to challenge the best in the world, and as it did last night. And it took two pretty special innings from Manus Labuschagne and David Warner as well, who it's good to see back getting some runs uh, to dig us out of a very dismal total. Well, Matt, Labuschagne mm. now throws the cat amongst the pigeons mm. for the rest of this series, doesn't he? When Steve Smith is available and returning, do you who do you drop? Do you play an extra batsman? Does that mean that you try and balance that off with bringing someone like a Mitchell Marsh in who can bowl 10 or 15 overs as a backup fourth bowler to carry the extra batsman? Because Labashan's form demands uh, retention well, when Smith returns. You go, but you go back to the second test where he came in with 
no preparation and and basically got Australia to that draw with that 50 that he got on the final day batting out and I think he was um, just out just before the end but then coming in top scoring it was probably a relief to Australia as well with David Warner making that 60 odd they made the big call drop Cam Bancroft who actually probably looked better than Warner in the first two tests on the scoreboard at least so it's going to be up to the Australian selectors now. Then they've shown they're not afraid to make changes. And but that I means think Kawaja's under enormous pressure in the second innings, and probably not head, but weight as well. As I said, they weighed a hundred in the first test, but when you've got someone like Lamashane in this sort of form, you can't ignore him. But you can't leave Steve Smith out if and when fit. Hopefully for the fourth test. The other thing, Nathan, too, is that. In Matt Wade's case, he made his runs in the second innings against a tiring attack on a flat wicket. Since then, when there's been either pace, bounce or swing, Wade's been found all at sea. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good problem to have, you could say. Uh, he definitely, he's got to be picked in the next test now after two very good innings. Um, he hasn't seen, well, everyone's been troubled by the pace, but he seems to be composed and being able to take it on and just making good decisions at the, at the right time. So um, he has to he put huge pressure on Kawaja and Wade. I think they're the two that have the probably the chop, their heads on the chopping block more so now than ever before. Um, but yes, yeah, this is a no-brainer. Comes straight back in. Love Shane stays. So it just depends where they want to bat him. All right. All is not lost, even though the weather forecast is changing for tonight and there's apparently the sun's coming out and it's going to warm up a little bit, but the onus is on Pattinson, Cummins and Hazelwood to somehow work their backsides off and bowl Australia back into this contest. Nathan, as an opening bowler yourself, when the rub of the green goes against you, when you don't get the same conditions and the sun comes out, and the wicket flattens you. This is where you earn your keep as a new ball bowler, isn't it? Yeah, well, they'll be looking their to get at them. They're, they're dying to play. And, I mean, early doors with the new ball swing, that's when you make your inroads into the team. And then hopefully you get a few early, get right into their middle order, and then Nathan Lyons can come in and do what he does every game and just perform for us week in, week out. Well, Nathan Lyons, an interesting one. Back at Lords, he was expected to do a lot in that third innings to try and get a total for Australia to be able to chase on the last day. I think he ended up going about 26 overs, none for 102. Have England found the way to combat him, to try and uh, hit him out of the attack, try and smash him out of the attack? Or do you think he will have learnt from that experience as well and, and he'll be at the top of his game because... With, with winning the, the toss and electing to bat in those conditions, Australia have put their focus and their faith behind line in that fourth innings. Is he going to be able to stand up like he did in the first test? I definitely think he will. He's, he's a proven performer and he's now equal to, you know, we're just taking this to Australia. So there's no reason why I, don't, I wouldn't back him in. He definitely, he's a student of the game. He'll learn from the experience and he'll take what he's, what, what happened in that second in the end of this test and know how the, whether it's a tweak of plan against a certain batsman or um, any any field changes that he needs, then I'm sure they will study it and look into it and they'll be ready to go. 
What about then going back to the three front line quick? Siddle dropped for this test match in conditions that may have probably suited him. So that again puts the pressure on Hazelwood, Cummins and Pattinson. Cummins and Pattinson are enforcers that like to bang the ball in short. So the pressure will be on Hazelwood to bowl that right length. Archer showed last night you don't have to bang the ball in short and bowl at 90 miles an hour to get wickets on this pitch. You just have to pitch it in the right areas and let the ball do the work, especially with the new nut early. Yeah, definitely. You've got to just make the batsman play and just keep asking all those questions. Uh, I actually think Pattinson will come into his own in this test. This is a, a, a suits him down to the wire. The pitch will be doing a little bit. If you get some good overcast or swing and he's quick as it is, so I think he'll be good and he'll be firing aggressive ready to go. Hazelwood, he'll just have to work his way all day and just keep holding that line of length and building pressure. And we all know what Cummins can do. He's just aggressive and it's pure excitement whenever he's bowling. So. What about what about the uh, the stock bowler role? That was the role that Siddle obviously played to a nicety in the first test and to a lesser extent at Lord's. Uh, bowling those overs, holding up the end, or is that going to be... Nathan Lyon's role to get into the groove, tie up one end, and then Tim Payne can rotate the quicks from the other. Yeah, it might be particularly in this first innings where they can go really hard to quicks in short short bursts. Um, if not, Hazelwood will definitely fit into that role, and um, that's what he did when he started his Test career. And I know he's gotten a bit quicker and a bit more aggressive, but I, like, he still holds that line and length really well. Um, and in fairness, all three of them should be able to do that with a few versus pace and enforcement on on the rest of the English batsmen. Now we look at the I guess the score from Australia one seventy nine all out. Um, is that par? Do we think that's enough? Uh, given that we haven't seen England bat on this, and given that England have struggled quite a bit with their opening partners as well, do you think one seventy nine? Yes, it's short, but do you think we can do enough to tie up England as well? Uh, well, you've got. I do. I do believe that it's probably under par. It's, it's definitely not ideal, but um, it's a it's a total that you can bowl at. It's a total that you can try and defend. Um, so, and you never know what the good score until both teams are batted on it. So, I think the first hour today will be extremely important in terms of the test match. And there's a lot to play for. Um, if Australia would get ahead and win this, if they're two 0 up and can't lose. So. Um, that, there's enough riding on it just with that alone to get up for the day and know that this is probably the day where you can either get yourself back in the driving seat or it can get away from you. All right. Now, speaking of driving seats, etc., the draw was announced during the week for the Belvedere Cup 2019-20 season. We mentioned last week that it was only five weeks away. Well, it's now uh, well, six weeks away. Now it's five and you know that it's not too far away when the draw is released. And, uh, well, it's uh, a fairly confronting draw for the Rangers first up, uh, Nathan. It's the defending premiers, Penrith, in a one-dayer at Mark Taylor in round one on September 28. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to go ahead against the, the Rangers premiers just to see where we're at after an off-season. And uh, we can really test ourselves against the best. That means... Um, our off-season recruits are all a year older and fingers crossed we've gotten a slightly bit better order and we can go into it against the, the benchmark of the competition. 
They were not a bad one-day side in their own right because they made the uh, the finals of the one-day competition last summer as well and also made finals day at the SCG and the T20 competition. So they're a, a very well-rounded, all-round uh, group. Yeah, they're a very good team. They're, they're proven performers and they're always up and about um, come the back end of the year, uh, back end of the season. Sorry. So... One day fixture, I think that'll um, suit us as well, especially if we're at Mark, when we're at Mark Taylor and we know how to play those the wicket and the conditions well. Uh, early on in the year as well, you never know what quite what you're going to get, so might be able to get the jump on them and kickstart our season. Well, it will be important because last year and in recent years, it's been a bit of a bugbear, slow starts and playing catch up behind the eight ball has been a problem. Yeah, definitely. Um, the first grade uh, NDs, unfortunately, haven't had a great track record with their starts, and um, we're looking to change that this year and get right up there before Christmas and set up, settle into the break in a really good position uh, going into the back half of the season. All right, so, then, and then the rest, the first few rounds then are fairly winnable. You've got Fairfield at Rosedale in round two in a two-day game. Then uh, the Strom Bankstown Club in round three, back at Mark Taylor in another two-dayer. Then a trip to Joe McAleer to play Blacktown in round four in another two-day game. And then back-to-back limited overs matches, Manly at Manly Oval and Campbelltown at Raby. Yeah, so it's a good-looking draw, to be honest. I, I like to look at that. They can get you up for the season and... Um, all those teams, you're not quite sure how everyone will shape up at the start of the year. So those first three rounds, everyone's going to play it all out. And you'll you'll have a good idea uh, three or four rounds in about who's going to be strong this year and who's going to show uh, some real improvement. So I expect those teams to be strong, particularly Bankstown. They're always strong. And um, we'll just see how we go, I guess. You mentioned that uh, you're finalising the trial games that are going to be played in the next... Uh a uh, couple of weeks you were mentioning Gordon there is one other match any news on that yet? Yeah so the other match uh, I believe is the 7th the seventh and 14th I believe the date's done and one is against uh, Blacktown the other one against uh, Gordon so they're, they're finalised as, as I know Indeed alright then nice uh, way to dust off the cobwebs against the uh, the near rivals, no love lost uh, in the Battle of the Pacific Highway against Gordon and uh, then Blacktown, who are looking to make uh, waves and improve uh, this season. They've got a bunch of good yard kids coming through. All right, it's uh, time to virtually strap ourselves in. This first hour is going to be so important at Headingley, Nathan. Uh, we'll catch up again probably next week. Who knows? I was game enough to come out last week and say maybe that Australia will be 2-0 up. Well, it wasn't the case. Who knows? It might be level going to Old Trafford. Yeah, it. well, I said, as long as we get a weekend like we did last weekend with everything that happened, there'll be a lot of people uh, asleep at their desks on Monday, I can tell you that. Speak for yourself and myself included. <laughs> and probably yourself, Nathan, a bit of sleep deprivation over the next couple of nights. Yeah, absolutely. It's... Uh, it's- Struggle Street at work. Morning, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Let's hope it's not Struggle Street for the Australians out in the middle at Headingley these next couple of nights. Thank you so much, Nathan Smith, for your time, and we'll catch up soon. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Nathan Smith, the uh, Northern District captain, to talk cricket.